Hello, hello. Welcome to another Hometown Daily News Show. This is for November 29th, 2022. Let's get going. Hello, I am Merwat. That is hometown.com. Sorry for the technical difficulties just a moment ago. Uh, I am going to kind of plow through this really quick. Um, probably won't be able to stay in chat. Uh, but just know it's because I'm working on hometown. And I'm trying to get things situated for a re-release of the hometown website uh, at the beginning of the year. Okay. At any rate, thanks for coming. If you're in my chat, good to see you. I can't tell <laughs> who is in chat anymore, um, but that's okay. Thanks for coming. Throw something in chat if you are here and you have uh, questions or comments or concerns or just want to let me know what's on your mind. Welcome to the show. The very first article, though, is in the Law Nerd channel. Supreme Court concerned that bribery law might prevent their friends from taking bribes. This is over in the uh, AboveTheLaw.com website. Always dig them. Their writing is always amazing. Joe Patrice is the author of this, again, over at Above the Law. And it, again, it's titled, Supreme Court Concerned That Bribery Law Might Prevent Their Friends From Taking Bribes. So Andrew Cuomo's campaign manager took $35,000 from a real estate developer. And I think it's funny because uh, I'm going to have another real estate related uh, article that I don't know why these two came about together. But anyway. Uh, in the grand scheme of over $300,000 in bribes he took over his years as a key aide to the New York governor. And um, you'd be forgiven for wondering why this one continues to generate so much interest, even though Joseph Percoco has already been released after serving less than half of his six-year sentence. His case landed before Supreme Court yesterday as he challenges this one particular payment. You see Percoco and his Jones Day lawyers argue at the time Percoco took this payment from a developer seeking to influence the governor's office. Percoco was merely a humble campaign manager. And because uh, he, he wasn't a, a government employee, he was free to take that money. And based on oral argument, um, the Supreme Court is primed to agree. You see... Um, bribes, payments. I'm not sure what this qualifies as. Um, it's okay if you take it if you're not a government employee, unless you're a government employee in a different way somewhere else. Uh, not government employee, but politician. It's really hard. It's very, it's arcane. It's, it, yeah, it's very difficult. So, as long as you are not categorized as one thing, you can take a bribe so that you can influence. But I guess this is a Supreme Court issue now. I mean, this is a Supreme Court issue that somebody who did take over $300,000 in bribes is now arguing about one particular one tenth of it. All right. So it says here, in this case, the Supreme Court actually wants you to believe that a politician's campaign manager is just one of those unassuming private citizens 
who the developer handed $35,000 for funsies. Um, yeah, I mean, follow the money. This is the kind of stuff that lands people in copious amounts of jail. And it's really weird. Justice Kagan, unlike the bulk of her colleagues, seemed to see the problem, noting that Prococo's interpretation of the law would open the door to a revolving door of officials taking sabbaticals to collect payoffs before waltzing back into the office. I mean, this is really spectacular. And uh, you know, pol politics pretty much is a revolving door as it stands. You end up, you know, uh, <laughs> working for the FCC, but it's because you worked at AT&T prior and then you end up going back to AT&T when you're done. And the argument that I've heard from people is like, well, you want subject matter experts in in those positions yeah sure i do absolutely i want subject matter experts but not people who are directly tied to the industry in such a way that their politics their their decisions their practices end up benefiting the very things that are well supposed to be compartmentalized should be separate you know you don't <laughs> You don't get put in charge of, you shouldn't be in charge of raises and then give a raise to yourself. It should be another organizational unit so that there isn't bias optically or not. It could be real or implied. The bias needs to be removed from public perception and not realized by putting this revolving door in place. So I hope the Supreme Court goes the right direction, but arguably, supposedly they're not influenced by politics. But as we know with this Supreme Court, it seems to be. Yeah, so it says per NBC in this article, it says um, in Prococo's case, a majority of the nine justices appeared concerned that allowing non-government employees to be criminally charged would draw in other influential figures in the halls of power such as lobbyists, it would draw in other influential. Why? Conservative Justice uh, Neil Gorsuch remarked that Washington is full of such persons. A majority of the nine justices appeared concerned that allowing non-government employees to be criminally charged would draw in other influential figures in the halls of power, such as lobbyists. Okay. Um, what, what does that mean? If people are getting bribed, I mean, uh, there was tobacco money handed out in $10,000 checks by the speaker of the house. I, I don't, I don't get it. There's video of it. Just do a search for tobacco checks and speaker of the house and you'll find out you'll get to watch it yourself i mean we need to stop bribery <laughs> in all of its facets there shouldn't even be gifts to politicians no you want to make a gift donate it to a good cause wow let's move on to the next article all of these articles, by the way, are, are uh, available via uh, hometown.showbot.tv, which is that link right down there. And hopefully you can see it okay. On my screen, it's a little pixelated, but hometown.showbot.tv uh, allows you to vote on the articles and see all of the article URLs. You can just go over there and follow those links. It'll take you through hometown to the source, just like I do every day. 
6 p.m. Eastern. So that next article is from the future of work to algos for home pricing. These are what the brightest young minds in real estate are working on. Uh, all of these articles, by the way, were submitted to me again. Dan Francesco or Francesco De Francesco, sorry. Dan De Francesco or Francesco um, wrote this article and it says here today we got stories on the latest casualty of the FTX debacle, a deep dive on terrifying financial product PE firms are cooking up and how one college athlete has racked up more than $250,000 in endorsement deals. But first, apparently there's some rising stars in real estate. So let's see. They spoke to Hannah R. Alberts, Insider's Real Estate Deputy Editor. Wow, that's pretty... That reads kind of niche to me. Anyway, um, two main themes. The future of the office and home pricing algorithms are near and dear to Wall Street's heart. According to this, let's see here. Leon Black was, oh my goodness, that is a different article altogether. What the heck? There's all kinds of weird articles in this. This is one of the problems with what I do. <laughs> okay, so they've embedded the URL into something else. Okay, so click here to find out the entire list of 30 rising stars of real estate. So this is kind of niche, but anyway, it's over at Business Insider as well. And there's a whole lot of writers um, let's see, Maya Abood 34. Let's see, what the, did she end up doing? A realization letter to MIT where she focused on repercussions of single ha family homes being bought by hedge funds and private equity firms in during the housing crisis. Yeah, that actually is happening in Canada as well as the US. Matt Barnett, let's see. Barnett's various projects have resulted in accolades like an AIA National Young Architects Award in 2022, the University of Tennessee's 40 Under 40 list, and AIA's uh, Committee on the Environment, or COAT. That's interesting. Um, yeah, there's 28 more, so go and check that out. Um, and you'll be able to follow the link again through Omentown. The next article is in the Smack Talk channel. Musicians aren't losing out from streaming music, says a UK regulator. It says massive profits of record labels and streaming services like Apple Music are not at the expense of musicians and artists. A UK regulator has declared. This is over an Apple Insider. Uh, Malcolm Owen is the author. And I'm really curious about this. On concerns from music creators, including songwriters and musicians, claiming they earned very little from streaming, the CMA reckons that the concerns are much, are pretty much unfounded. Um, let's see here. With more than two, uh, sorry, with more artists competing for attention, revenue from streaming is shared more widely. This includes an increase from 200,000 artists in 2014 to 400,000 in 2020. Stating the obvious, a doubling of competition. But that really depends on the full gamut. 
categories, demographics, etc., psychographics of that data set, not necessarily doubling competition across the board. Not everybody listens to every kind of music, etc., etc. Anyway, the watchdog found that as meritocracies usually go, the top producers got the lion's share of revenue. Over 60% of the streams listened to were recorded by the top 0.4% of artists it determined. But again, just because you, okay, so the number of artists that can publish have doubled largely because it is that much easier to get your stuff published because you can self publish pretty much on every platform. You can just submit it and it's yours. It says here, while an artist could, uh, could expect to earn around 12,000 pounds or $14,410 from 12 million streams in the UK in 2021, less than 1% of artists actually achieved that level. All right. Like I said, you know, it isn't that they are the top performers because they're the top performers. They're the top performers because they are perceived to be the quality um, musician that people want, right? That makes sense. Anyway, a study, uh, the st quote, the study does, however, highlight that the issues raised by creators could be further considered by government and policymakers as part of their ongoing work following the DCMS Select Committee's inquiry into the economics of music streaming, the CMA concludes. I, I just don't see this as being an issue. I'm not a musician. I'm a consumer. So maybe there's more data in here. It just says that, you know, average uh, average royalty rates in major deals with artists have actually gone up over time from 19.7% uh, in 2012 to 23.3% in 2021. And songwriters have also benefited seeing an 8% share of revenue in 2008 turn into an average of 15% by 2021. And again, I don't, I don't see it. it as being a problem, you know? I mean, money is changing hands. People are being turned into millionaires just because not everybody isn't making money. Doesn't mean that it's an issue, but let's see. What, what does somebody say down here? Turing is only way for musicians to make real scratch now, right? That's how they used to make a lot of money too. Um, as for now, I don't see that really being an issue either. The, the production and distribution and number of competitors of music, etc. It's not that they're, I don't think that they're competing all that much more. It's just that the quality of musician isn't necessarily the same. They're, they're still only a niche number of people that get traction, you know, it happens all over the place. Every demographic, or I should say every domain. Yeah, there's only a certain number of people that reach real you know, mentionable success. So I, I'm not quite sure that this is really a, an issue, even for musicians competition. Um, 
doesn't mean that it's evenly distributed competition. I'm pretty sure that the preponderance of people that are submitting their music is probably not as high quality as they think that it is. Um, but let's move on. Uh, the next article is in the distillerist Russian vodka trademark auction gets green light. The former majority shareholders of Yukos Oil Company will auction the Benelux trademarks um, as part of their $58 billion damages claim. The 18 trademarks, which include Stoloknaya, Moskovskaya, will be auctioned on uh, December 6th in the Netherlands. So there's a backstory over here. The spirits business, they don't slouch in how they write their stories it says here the backstory uh, gml yukos universal holy enterprises and veteran petroleum were the ma majority shareholders of the former yukos oil company and the majority shareholders seized the benelux trademarks for illegal politically motivated expropriation of the uh, russian oil giant in 2003. Around the year 2000, Yukos Oil had grown to become the, the biggest oil company in Russia. However, after CEO Mikhail Khodorkovsky exposed alleged government corruption in 2003, the company claimed it was in intentionally bankrupted by the Kremlin. Uh, Khodorkovsky was sent to prison in Siberia after a trial. Okay, so... However, after he exposed alleged government corruption, he was sent to prison in Siberia. Interesting. Um, so let's see here. The Russian authorities were uh, conducting a ruthless campaign to destroy Yukos and appropriate its assets. According to a 2014 independent arbitral tribunal in the peace palace in the hague as a result it awarded yukos's majority shareholders more than 50 billion dollars in compensation my goodness that is an amazing story and it's not really over um in 2020 the hague uh, court of appeal upheld the awards with immediate enforceability and the dutch supreme court acknowledged the ruling in november 2021 but referred a minor part of the case to the amsterdam court of appeal on procedural grounds and the russian federation has not has not acknowledged the compensation the shareholders seized its assets in the form of uh, 18 benelux trademarks hopefully that's worth it um I suppose it says here, um, the Hague approved the seizure of the Benelux trademarks in June, 2022. Yeah, you, but it doesn't, I don't know how that's going to actually translate, but that's okay. It's not my job. I'll just read the story. I think it's interesting. Um, intellectual property is quite fascinating if they think that that's worth, um, $50 billion. I don't know. Uh, the next article is in the Continuity Report, Netflix Top 10. Wednesday snaps Stranger Things for a record for most hours viewed in a week with 341 million. Only a few of those hours are mine. Netflix's Wednesday arrived with a bang, the fantasy series starring uh, Jenna Ortega. As Wednesday Adams tops the Netflix Top 10 chart of the week of November 21st through 27th with 341,000 
sorry, 341.2 million hours viewed. Um, well, I didn't know that the Adams family, um, was based on the, the writings of, sorry, how do I, okay. So <laughs> the Adams family is written by somebody with the last name Adams. I didn't know that. I thought that was interesting. Um, but they, they base it on people in their like world, apparently. So like in their, <laughs> I don't know if it was based on their family, um, but it was, it's characters that are uh, written by somebody with the last name Adams. And I, now, you know what? Cause I couldn't, re I can't remember their first name. Hold on a second. So yeah, Charles Adams, that's what it is. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting, uh, but I didn't know that the Adams family show and uh, cause I've watched it, um, over the years and I've watched the, now I've watched Wednesday. Um, I've watched even you know, like cartoons and stuff. I didn't realize that it was from somebody named Charles Adams. Anyway, same name as the Adams family. Am I being too much at the moment. Anyway, uh, this, the, the article is over at variety.com by Brianna bell and yeah, 341.2 million hours viewed of, uh, the series Wednesday. I'm only about halfway through it. So people went ripping through it. Obviously, according to Netflix's data figures show over 50 million households have seen the series since its premiere. Um, with 1899 remaining in second, but that's quite a jump. <laughs> um, and I think that there's probably enough in the, the series to watch it a couple of times just to get the minutia. Um, but that's really the, the nuts and bolts of the headline, but there's more in this article. So you can go and check it, check it out over at hometown.com. Uh, the next article is in the word in tech poverty linked to Facebook and Instagram addiction in teens it says here adolescents from lower income backgrounds are more likely to report addictive use of social media, according to an international team of researchers, including professor Frank Elger from McGill university. I wonder if it's something, you know, people want to just, they want to see that there are other people that are uh, dumpster fire and they want to see that uh, there is something uh, that they want. They see something they want and they want to watch that. You know, I want to be like this person or I want that kind of car. I wonder if it's that kind of a thing. Um, and, you know, maybe there's some statistical significance to the poverty linkage. Uh, but a lot of people might report, you know, that that's what they're interested in, not necessarily addictive use of it, but let's see. I, it's also to keep aware of socially current discussions. Um, yeah, I mean, that's really why I'm, why I consume so much news. It isn't necessarily about memes and stuff. A lot of stuff that's on Insta and whatever is just popular conversation, not necessarily news. 
Um, at any rate, the findings show a link between economic inequality and problematic use of social network platforms and instant messaging applications. My concern is that some numbnuts out there is going to sit there and say, well, it's because they're addicted to social network platforms and instant messaging applications. And that's why they're uh, suffering from uh, poverty. Like, no, 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 just no. Most families that are in poverty are in poverty because it's generational poverty. It didn't suddenly spring up out of the woodwork. It's been there and it's hard to get out of because regions that are economically suppressed don't get good education and they don't get good. They don't get good education. And so they aren't properly prepared to excel in the workplace, except for what they do. They don't necessarily end up, you know, being able to change the economic dynamic um, because it's hard to get out of the place if you are subsisting and that's it not growing um so you know i'm i'm really curious about the rest of this article maybe it's not in here maybe it takes further research but um yeah it's it's interesting that they find it. So the researchers identified problematic social media use in teens who reported six or more addiction like behaviors, such as feeling bad when not using social media, but trying, uh, trying, but failing to spend less time using it. And so, and using social media to escape from negative feelings and bingo, that's the one that I'm referring to. What's the other side of that? Oh, I feel good because I get to see the other side. You know, if I bust my hump, I'm going to be able to uh, get that Ferrari. You know, I've said that forever. I still don't have my Ferrari. Situation is worse in schools where differences in wealth between classmates are greater. And the authors say the results based on more than 179,000 school children in 40 countries suggest that new strategies are needed on social media use that promote ways to disengage. I agree. Um, I don't know. I think that you, uh, you should prompt your kids to stay local and not worry about uh, the influencers of the world because they aren't important to you locally other than the population game and or popularity game. And, and uh, you don't necessarily, you should be proud of yourself. Whoever you are, you don't need to be, worried about the popularity ever growing and whatnot you know you hear a lot of that from uh, streamers as well i don't do this you know for the money i don't do this for some external um, influence i do it because i love it and it's an internal uh, motivation so yeah pretty interesting we need to change our perception of social media, particularly in the youth around the world. Don't make it so important to them. Um, okay, so the next article is in the Mobile channel. Only have a few more. And uh, this one is thousands of phages found to have CRISPR gene editing system. A team of researchers at the University of California, Berkeley and University of California, Los Angeles, working with a colleague in Vilnius University, or yeah, I, I think it's Vilnius anyway, has uh, found evidence 
of thousands of phages with DNA strands that could allow them to conduct gene editing on other viruses or bacteria. And their paper was published in the open access journal Cell. Did you know that there was something open access that wasn't uh, ripping people off for taxpayer funded research and develop? Uh, never mind. Anyway, uh, thousands of phages found to have CRISPR gene editing system is by Bob Yurka over at fizz.org. That's the site that I aggregated this from. In 2012, some of the researchers on this same team discovered that CRISPR Cas9. Um, could be programmed using RNA to edit uh, targeted DNA strands from other organisms and won a Nobel Prize for it. And their work emerged from findings that many types of bacteria use CRISPR-Cas systems to defend against viral attack. Using such systems, bacteria can cut and remove strands of DNA from viruses and store them in their genomes to combat the same viral strain should it attack again. So look. It's even taking the bacteria is taking vaccines. Maybe should a shirt. Should I make a shirt that says that think like a bacteria, right? Be more bacterial. I don't know how, Hmm. how can we make this work? I'll work on it. Maybe I'll put a, a, uh, a shirt out there that says something along that line, right? bacteria creates vaccines you should take yours i don't know we'll we'll figure it out you know that's what we do here in hometown um since that time researchers have found that some viruses have similar uh, machinery but it was deemed to be rare in this new effort the researchers sought to determine actual prevalence the work involved analyzing the dna of thousands of phages types of viruses that attack bacteria. For evidence of DNA that would support a CRISPR system, the researchers found more than 6,000 of them, proving that they are not rare at all. Out of how many? It doesn't say how many. Anyway, the researchers suggested the, suggest the DNA snippets they found were likely stolen from bacteria and might be used um, in similar ways to ward off other phages or even bacteria. Ooh, zombie bacteria. More DNA. Uh, the next article is in the Hetrodias channel. Uh, this is uh, probably from The Hill. Oh, it's from Business Insider. I'm not sure what's going on with this, but... Inerza is developing a robot named Boa that uses 5G to snake across power lines and report looming problems to utility companies. Let me open that up again in a different way. Okay. Whoops. Uh, Karen Fisher over at businessinsider.com wrote this article. And it says uh, CEO James Ain estimates that one Boa is required for every 50 kilometers of power lines. And the article is part of a how 5g is changing everything series that's um, all about transformational 5g tech across industries but this boa can report back damage or issues to the power companies and these are pretty important because uh, until something catastrophic happens uh, the possibilities of knowing what might be failing um, is expensive because you have to send people out there to 
uh, verify the integrity of these high power lines and and other things and um it's kind of interesting that high power lines don't even have insulation they they're just strung up real high in the air you hear their them buzzing and they're unshielded and they go for a long time in some places they're close enough that you can hold up a light and the radiation from it um just uh, the electrons that are coming off of it you can hold a, a phosphor tube light and it'll light up apparently when an outage happens a company doesn't um, a utility company doesn't know where the outage is or why it happens until a customer calls that leaves a five kilometer radius of where the precise power line experience and the problem could be but if you ran one of these boas down the line it would actually tell you i'm really curious i'll have to take a look at what this thing is it says a boa can slither like a snake along a power line to inspect it for corrosion eyes vegetarian uh, vegetarians those vegetarians hanging out on power lines that's how they get all their energy anyway vegetation or other nearby uh, obstructions as boa gathers lidar data low latency 5g allows that information to be sent back to uh, utility companies swiftly but he doesn't show a picture of the boa just and nurza ceo james ein or aim come on post a picture of the boa you know what i'm moving on and uh today's gonna be a really short day i'm just gonna end it right after this so um this is in the warcrafters channel once upon a time gta was a game about playing an angry dinosaur let's see even though godzilla theft auto would have been an obvious hit the devs of dma changed its focus when someone chucked some cars into the game someone had the bright idea to see what it would be like driving one of the cars rather than controlling the dinosaur and suddenly it changed into a car game rather than a dinosaur game i hope this is all legit this is an article over at pcgamer.com joshua wallens is the author rather than metaphorical dinosaurs you play in gta 5. Uh, so not big old dinosaur but grand theft auto because somebody chucked a bunch of huh, uh, cars into the game so it's a world that we could have had if the original prototype for the first gta had gone differently according to colin mcdonald a former dev at dma now rockstar north who spoke to the bbc to mark the 25th anniversary of gta's initial release the original game that was just a tech demo where you played a dinosaur roaming around and destroying the buildings uh, kind of like a top-down The Incredible Hulk Ultimate Destruction. So Godzilla Theft Auto would have been an obvious hit. Eh, I don't know. Um, I mean, it's no goat simulator. Yeah, there's nothing unique about uh, Godzilla Theft Auto. Anyway, and so GTA was born. Uh, I figured that there'd be a bigger story about that, but apparently not. So GTA is a behemoth that makes more money than some countries. And we all live in a world where we don't get to turn Liberty City into Jurassic Park. So maybe there will be a mod. Anyway, that's it for today, folks. Um, let me bring you back to the front page of Ohmtown. 
Normally I would soapbox a little bit more, but not today. I think I'm done. Um, I will see you tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern. Just like every day. I will see you then. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.